everyone. Um, my name is Alyssa Crabtree, and we are so excited to have you here today. I am with the one and only Ashley Kelly. And if you are joining us live, I'm going to ask that you put your name in the chat. Tell us where you're from. And if you have like any burning questions that you want us to answer today about instructional coaching, instructional leadership, feel free to drop them in the comments below. And we're going to try to answer as many as we can. But like I said earlier, I'm with the lovely Ashley Kelly, who is an instructional coach here in Texas. She is also a co-host for the TCTELA podcast, and she is the founder of The Edu Mom. So Ashley, welcome. Hello, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm so glad you joined me. And tell our everyone watching live, tell us a little bit about yourself, what brought you to education, what brought you to coaching, and tell us about EduMom. Yes, I can do all of that. So my name is Ashley Kelly. I also go by the EduMom, which I think is kind of self-explanatory, but sometimes I get around like people who are not in the education field and they're kind of like confused. So <laughs> I came to this conclusion that, you know, after just being so burned out, um, I'm trying to like separate these two really big roles in my life that I have, which is being an educator and being a mom. And it was like, some days it's possible and some days it's not. So I was like, let's just embrace it. You know, there, th this world is big and we, there are, it's full of educators who are mothers. Um, I can't do the edu dad because I can't really relate to, you know, being a dad. So somebody, I'll leave that space for someone else, but for the mothers who are in this space and have chosen education as their career, it's important to me that we find a balance between mm -hmm. who we are as educators and who we are as mothers, because we know that education has the ability to take over everything sometimes. And so I came up to the edu mom um, as a way to just bring those two worlds together. So that is what living the edu mom lifestyle is all about. Um, I initially wanted to get into education because I sat back and I thought about my life in school and I didn't have a lot of teachers that just like stood out to me and were memorable. So I got into education in order to be that, you know, if you can get through, you know, at least have one teacher that you know will be there for you, that was invested in you. That is my goal. I don't need to be the favorite teacher. Yeah. I just want to be the most positively impactful teacher in a student's life. Um, I want to be remembered by students for good things, not bad things. So yeah, I don't need to be the favorite, but I want to positively impact and influence students um, because I just don't feel like I had a lot of that. So that was, you know, my big thing for just getting into education to be that person. Um, you know, let's try and make this the best year yet. And that's kind of my mindset at the start of each school year. It's like this year is going to be the best year yet. Every year is the best year yet because we have that chance to, you know, just make it new and fresh. Yes. And, you know, there's two things that you said that I kind of want to unpack. One is just educator life balance, whether you're a parent or not, like just setting those boundaries. How needed is that? And, yeah. and so my question for you real fast is what happens when we don't establish those boundaries? 
we burn out. <laughs> we have nothing to give. Teaching literally becomes everything. You are living at the schoolhouse and you're snapping on the children because you have nothing else to give. Yeah. And that is what led me, you know, to to this point to be able to recognize like, hey, something has to give because something is going to be cut short. Either I'm not going to be, you know, the best mom that I can, or I'm not going to be the best educator that I can be if I don't find the balance between these two things, because they both require so much attention. And I also feel like my my teacher friends who don't have kids, sometimes they have a tendency to get a little bit more burned out because they don't have to balance, you know, their, their time between kids and then all their time becomes teaching. And it's like, we have to live and it's okay to do so. And you don't have to feel bad because you are living your life and you want yeah. to, you know, maintain who you are as a person. So. Absolutely. And that, you know, kind of segues into the next one, because you said, you know, you didn't want, you didn't have to be the favorite teacher, but you wanted to make the most impact, like mm -hmm. the, the teacher that really impacted students. And I think of that also as an instructional leader. I don't have to be liked as far as everyone sees me as their best friend, but I do want to have an impact and have the most impact in their, in their growth goals. And so how do you kind of merge the two of, of teaching? And then now let's take those strategies into coaching. Um, I, I go about it like with the teachers the same way I would, you know, the students. You have to prioritize building relationships. Like I can't just go, hey, you need to fix this. And I noticed this and you did that. It's like, well, wait a minute. You know, I am offended. <laughs> and I worked with, um, we had a coach come into our school this year and she was a retired principal. And she talked about like this gold platter, I think it was, and this paper plate, you know, analogy. And at first I was like, where is she going with this? And then, you know, after a little while and I went into a planning, it was like, it made sense to me, you know, because teachers come to you and planning with, you know, their gold platter ideas. It's like they put their time and their effort into this. And then sometimes I may think this, like you put all your time into this and this was like the best, you know, that you came up with. And it's like, well, how dare you? <laughs> you know, that's yeah. rude. that is offensive. And you shut people down, you know, that way. And so you have to take the time to listen. And so you can't just go in and, and give your advice, you know, to people without even knowing anything about them. And it really is like putting yourself in their shoes. Like, do I want to listen to someone who, like, you don't even know the backstory as to maybe how I got, you know, here. You don't know that in the beginning, you know, I was scared to even plan a lesson. And now, you know, I've taken a risk and you completely shut me down. And now you've lost that teacher. Yeah. So you have to take that time to, get to know them and ask them questions and observe them and don't provide feedback. Ask them how they like their feedback. I, I do it with students. You know, how do you need me to, you know, ease into it for you? Or do you want me to just come out and say it? We, we really approach the coaching role the same way we would as in the classroom. And it's like, I think we assume because they're teachers, they're adults, like they don't have feelings for whatever reason. So it's like, I just come in and tell you what I have to say and leave. No, now they're going to go and um, they're going to go and they're going to complain to you about the other teachers on yep. the team. And yep. depending on how close they are, now you've lost them all. Yep. So you, you can't get anywhere like that. And I've learned these things from experience. 
Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's something, you know, I, I say to administrators all the time, if you are only going into teachers' classrooms once, and that's to do their T-test or their formal observation, ain't nobody going to be taking your feedback. Actually, no. they're probably going to find it humorous. And so we're artists. Educators are artists. And when you give me feedback, you're critic you're you give me feedback on my art. So I yes. need to trust you. I need to trust you. Um, so tell me this. What has been your experiences with coaching in the past, whether you had an instructional coach or, you know, maybe you've heard of other instructional coaches? And how did you take that with you into your role as an instructional coach? You know, Alyssa, that's a that's a really hard, that's a hard one. I would I always like to say, you know, the most positive things, like the the greatest traits that I have are the best pieces, you know, that I've taken from my experiences and the people, you know, that I've encountered, whether it's been a whole school year or it's been, you know, a five minute conversation. If it was great and I've added to it, like I am just the best pieces of all the best things that I've encountered. So when it comes to my experiences with coaching, I would say they, I haven't had very many that have been what I would have wanted. Mm. And so I sometimes, and now that I'm in the role, I can understand a little bit more as to why I may not have, you know, received what I've wanted because the role is demanding. And I think people assume that because you don't have kids, you're not in a classroom and you don't have grades to you know keep up with, you're just not busy and you're not consumed. Um, and that's not the case, especially when you are trying to fulfill this role and do it well. You yeah. know, it takes a lot of planning and it takes a lot of work to be intentional in this. So previously I've had coaches who they didn't really invest time in me because I had it together. And so that always just made me feel so terrible. So you'll just figure it out. And I know like, especially in my first year of teaching, like, I really didn't have the support that I would have liked to have had because I had a great partner. And so because I had a great partner, I just pretended like I really didn't have it as together as I, <laughs> as I, I did, as it appeared. I was just, you know, doing the things that she was doing. And some of those things worked for me and some of them did not. But because it always appeared as though I had it together, a lot of times I wasn't asked, like, are you OK? Or, you know, how I can support you um, because it looked good. So yeah. now in this role, I make I make the time to even, you know, the teacher of the year teacher. I'm still going to check on that teacher because no matter where you are, like we all want, you know, that feedback. We all want to be checked on. It's like we all have ways that we can grow. Um, as far as my coaches, um, I've had a few who have invested, you know, effort into me and growing me. And it's like, oh, I see this in you. Um, that's how I got out of the classroom um, and took that leap to go ahead and apply to be the instructional coach, which was hard. It was really hard. Um, it took a lot to make that leap to leave babies and not have like a group that was my own. And I, I know that some people say, oh, you know, I just want to be out of the classroom. I want to be out of the classroom. And it's like, that was not, that that was not my story. Yeah. Um, but I, I had to talk to my director of instruction and my coach at the time. And they really just reassured me, you know, like there are ways. 
to be with babies and you can impact so many more babies, you know? And so I've just taken the, the experiences that I've had that have not been so favorable and then try to change them and think of how would I like them to be and ask my teachers, you know, because I can't assume everybody wants to be coached the same way that I did. So I would say my last coach really pushed me to go and, you know, try something new and reassured me, you know, that it, it, it's okay. And um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's about that on the pre- <laughs> previous coaches. Like some huge gems here because you mentioned um, coaches investing in you mm-hmm. and you mentioned finding time to get in the classrooms. You mentioned still like a, a great coach is going to get to work with kids still. And, and it might be not directly, but through the teacher and make a larger impact. And then you also mentioned your coaches like and which are great coaches pushing you out of your comfort zone yeah which is a great quality in a coach but tell me this how did you find a balance because you said it an instructional coach is not an easy job and if you just do not go into coaching if you just want to get out of the classroom that is not helpful at all um because you will be extremely busy but how did you in find the time to make sure that you were getting into classrooms and really supporting teachers and coaching teachers to help kids? Um, I would say I, I kept, I am a list maker and a scheduler. I was just talking to my best friend about this because we are actually leaving for Florida like really early in the morning. Okay. And so I have a 12 year old and a seven year old and I was telling her, if my kids don't know how to do anything else, when they go off to college, they know how to make a list. I can give them the packing list because that that is categorized. It has how many of everything everyone needs. You highlight it, you pack it, you move on. Give it to me when it's checked off and it is done. So they know how to make lists. Anything can get done with the list. On Saturdays, <laughs> yes. they know to pull off the whiteboard and they are writing down who has what chores and they're crossing them off as they get done. So what I haven't really taught them yet because they don't need to know this part is that all the things on the list don't always get done. So once they get to, you know, bigger adult lists, we'll get to that. But for right now, all their things, you know, need to be checked off, but being okay with not making all the things happen because all the things aren't always going to happen. So as much as I would schedule the time to be in rooms, I had to just learn to be okay. And that was hard because I'm like, oh my gosh, if I'm not in the rooms and the teachers don't see me, they're going to think that I'm sitting around doing nothing. And it's like, oh, that teacher just saw me walk out of my office, but I have not been in, you know, their room, but they don't know this is the first time I've like been in the office. And it was only like 30 seconds. And it's like, you have to just get past that like guilt, you know, um, and just be intentional and make it happen. And that is also why having relationships and conversing is so important. It's like, if you just talk to them, and, and let them know, you know, this is what I'm working on. This, you know, this is the plan for the week. I intend to be by, you know, at least this many times this week, because then it's easier, you know, to make that happen. Because ideally, I would love to see them, you know, at least two to three times a week for each teacher. That's a lot. Because you also don't want to just go in to say that you went in. Like you want yeah. to have the time to be there because otherwise you become that person. It's like, oh, you just checked off a list, you know, because you have to do a walkthrough. 
And I don't want it, you know, to be that. So you have to have conversations. You have to be open um, and just talk to them. They're humans. Like They understand. And the more you do that, the easier I think it gets. So did I always make it to the rooms when I wanted to? Absolutely not. But I didn't stop trying. So, well, let's, you know, try a different schedule or, you know, let's, you know, try a different day. And it got a little easier towards the room. But you also have to accept that there are going to be seasons when it just does not happen. Yeah. When we're talking star time, It, the world is in a tizzy. If it's tail past time, I'm not present. Yes. <laughs> so having that understanding, too. And it's like making sure that your teachers know, um, I guess, what is applicable in regard to your day to day. And I, I just try to be as open as I can with them. It's like, y'all, I'm busy with telepaths for the next three weeks. I may or may not see you. I'm going to try. I'm going to make it happen. But I may or may not see you because I know I didn't know that was, you know, that had anything to do with me. Because I'm like, you know, I coach the teachers. That's not, you know, that's somebody else's work. Get somebody else to do it. Well, no, <laughs> that's not how that works. So in this role, there are so many other things, you know, that you're responsible for. But the more you have those conversations, the more, you know, the easier it can be. Yeah. So make the schedule and have the list, but also give yourself grace when it doesn't go according to plan. At least you had one. Yeah. Better to have one and not fulfill all the things than to not have one and then just be running around, you know, trying to figure things out. That's hard. Well, let's be honest, in education, nothing goes as planned. So is going to happen, like folks can enter the classroom and they're going to be on lockdown or you know someone's going to pull a fire alarm we know that things are not going to go as planned but when you are as intentional as possible great things can happen and things can get done because as an instructional coach you're going to be thrown 20 million different tasks and when you communicate your schedule and you communicate your purpose for coming in and doing something, it's going to be a lot easier. Schedule, Definitely. schedule, schedule. Okay, so in your experience, what have been some common challenges that coaches face at the start of the school year and how do you overcome them? Well, I, I can honestly say I don't know this yet, and I'm hoping that I don't experience it, but I can imagine how it would be, and I know how it was on the teacher end. At the start of the school year, some of the biggest stressors are, like, not having all of your teachers. Like, I think I need one yeah. <laughs> right now, and I'm hoping, like, whoo, we've got a good month, you know, before this is really like, oh, my goodness, what do we do? Um, not knowing that, because then it's like, I don't know how to prepare you. Um, I don't know how to prepare myself. And then it's almost like any plans that I make may not even matter anymore because now I have to change it up. So yeah. you have to be flexible. Whether you are in the classroom or out of the classroom, you have to be flexible, you know, in any role in education because as we've already said, things don't always go. They rarely go as planned. Um, there are very few days that are just smooth. So I would say, especially for me, this would be my first start. Um, of the year uh, in this role. And I don't know, I'm just, I'm nervous. I, I found out today actually that our principal is going to high school and I am super sad. Oh. I'm super excited for him, but I am like so sad because I'm like, man, I like this guy <laughs> and now he's leaving. Um, so that, you know, 
kind of gives me a sense of nervousness because I can do all of this planning, but then we may have another person and their vision may be different. So then, you know, everything that I'm planning, you know, to do may not be as applicable, you know, anymore, but it's like, don't, I've also learned just in education overall, like you can't get too attached to your plan or your schedule because it's not just yours. So plan it out, you know, and have these ideas and have this vision for how you want the year to be, but then be okay with the fact that someone may, you know, want to change that a bit. And when you can understand that, it also makes it easier to coach teachers because it's the same as if I go in, it's like, you are ready. You know, you've got this idea for this unit. And then I have to point out, well, where, how does this line up with the teeth? And now, you know, we have to make some adjustments. And so just understanding and, you know, being relatable to how that feels. And that's the position, you know, that I'm just kind of in right now. And I anticipate it's just going to be another year of, you know, just figuring, you know, things out. And I know that it'll be great. But right now, (laughs) right now, it's like a little nerve wracking. But I'm like, okay, we're going to go live and we're going to talk about the things that, you know, I am certain of and worry about it, you know, later because in the end it's all going to be what it's going to be and it'll all be well maybe not right now but in due time it will all be well so girl it's gonna be great and you know one thing i say one thing there's three things that i really emphasize for instructional coaches and and that is the three c's as i like to call them is collaboration competence and communication and with those three combined it's amazing. So, so kind of like talking about the collaboration coming together with the new mm-hmm. principal and yeah. defining the role and coming together with the teachers and communicating clearly the role of the instructional coach. Yes. And collaborating with the teachers on, hey, how do you want to be coached? How do you want, like all of these things that you had said, but it really takes fostering a community of collaboration, demonstrating your competence, but Mm -hmm. not in a way where it's overly done and and things like that, but in a sense of, let me just show up for you. Mm -hmm. Let me show up. Let me question purposefully. Please don't say, well, in my old campus, we used to do this. That's going to shut them down. (laughs) shut them down. But I I see here, Paula Garcia had mentioned at the end of this comment, she said, relationships are huge. So instructional coaches, relationships come first. And I'm not talking about best friends, right? You don't have to be all lovey dovey. However, you have to foster trust. You do. If you want to be a successful coach. And the way you do that is foster collaboration, competence, and communication. And stream that. Mm -hmm. We need to put that on a shirt. Oh, we can. (laughs) We can. I will tell you. So in my course, uh, Launch Your Instructional Coaching Journey, I I dive into the three C's. But it, it really is important. My advice for any new instructional leader, instructional coach, meet with your principal, to make mm-hmm. sure that you both are in alignment of your role. Yes. Because that's when all these different, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this because no one understands the role. Mm-hmm. 
And then Ashley, you said it and I loved it. Schedule, schedule, schedule. But I'm going to say communicate your schedule and share it so that people can see she she's doing stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it can. I've heard it before. Oh, those coaches, they're just collecting data or sitting in their desk. I'm like, oh, yes. no, they're not. <laughs> like some days I wish I could just, you know, sit and breathe or just give me a class of kids because I know at least when it's independent reading time, it's going to be a little silent. I could just go confer, you know, with a few kids and I know what to expect. And I think that is what people um, don't really understand sometimes about this role because I know I didn't understand it until it became my life. When you're in the classroom, you know what to expect. Okay, so in the reading world, we have our mini lesson, we have our read aloud, yep. we have our independent reading and our work time and our small group. And then it just circles, you know, you know what to expect. But in this coaching world, it's not just so, you know, it doesn't, it's not flowy, you know, like yeah. that. Maybe a covering a class and then now I have to go to a planning and then now I have to put out a fire. And then now I have to you know, go handle a situation in the hallway. Like it's not just one, two, three. Like there's no smooth little outline. It varies. And sometimes that is hard. So it's like, just give me the class some days. Just give me the class because I know what to expect and I can do that. I yes. can teach. But, you know, just make the schedule. Try to follow it as much as you can. Yes. And be like you said, be okay that it's not going to go as planned. It's okay. Um, Paula said again, like, yes, it's a collaborative effort on your role and schedule. All need to be a part of it and understand it. Definitely. It that makes a huge difference. So tell me, what are some key strategies you use as a coach to foster collaboration and build positive relationships with teachers? Um, I would say what I first got into this role it was so fun you know it's like trying to figure out okay what can i do you know and just trying new things um so i did a chat and chew and so i just got you know a few snacks together i sent out like a little google form and you know just got to know little things about what do they like how do they like their feedback um what kind of snacks do they prefer what kind of drinks you know do they prefer and then we just got together um on one of our non-planning days and we just talked and like, let the guards down a little, you know, we don't have to talk about the plans, like who are you as people? And, you know, make time to just do that. Yeah. Um, and then meet with them individually. Cause you know, sometimes people open up a lot more when it's just them. And you may have an assumption, you know, about a person based on how they are in a group. And that could be totally different than when they are, you know, alone. Um, and then scheduling that time and being intentional. Um, to make time to get to know them. What do they like? How do they like their feedback? You know, what do you expect from me? That was one of the biggest things I wanted to understand when I got into this role. What are you expecting from me? Because I know what I would want, but what do you want from me? And how does that look? You know, um, how often do you want me in your room? Is there a time that you may prefer me to come or not come? And it doesn't mean I'll always be able to, you know, abide by that, but if you know that you're working on something and you don't want me to see you in that process because it may make you nervous, you know, that's fine. And then we can talk about that and work through it. So then as we get closer and we learn more about each other, you'll feel more comfortable with me coming in and watching you, you know, try something um, 
to try something new. And so I think just making that time to talk and get to know them so that they will be okay with being vulnerable with you because it's hard, especially when they don't know what your intentions are, you know, because we want to assume that everybody wants to help us grow. And that's not always, that's not always the case, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. or sometimes the delivery does not make it seem that way. So now I'm defensive. and I don't want you in my room at all. Yep. I'm going to put on a show and it's like, that was like the, don't like, don't do anything special for me. Like I, I, I'm a teacher like you, honestly, (laughs) you know, I don't need, (laughs) I don't need a performance. Like I just want to see you and your element. And if there is a way that we can grow from that, then I will help you and, you know, point that out to you as well, but just do what works for you um, and be okay, you know, with that. Yes. Relationships. This is why relationships are so huge because, and and you said the word vulnerability, that Mm -hmm. we are asking teachers to be vulnerable and principals. You're asking teachers to be vulnerable when you are giving them feedback or you're wanting them to try new things. And let me tell you, if you have not fostered a relationship with these people, they're not going to trust your feedback. And like, like you said, Ashley, your intentions might be great, but they're not going to receive it that way because we're artists. This is my art. And if I'm going to always think of it as a a trainer, an athletic trainer or my workout coach, um, if you're going to show me a new move and I'm going to look like an idiot in front of everyone in the gym, I have to trust you that it's okay that I, I, I fall flat on my face, but I got to trust you. And um, it's huge. So coaches, administrators, if you're listening to this, foster relationships. It is not a waste of time. And the most powerful are like Ashley said, one-on-one. Those (laughs) one-on-one moments are huge and they don't have to be long, but they're huge. Some, a, a little goes a long way because teachers understand the roles of administrators. So I say, hey, if I can give five minutes of your time, that's enough. Sometimes I just need to, you know, let a little something off. Sometimes I just want to say how excited I am. I, you know, there is just, you know, something that I want to share with you and to just have that time can be life changing. Um, There was something else I wanted. Oh, when I entered this role, aside from building relationships, like I always knew, you know, that was like the thing, like I have to get to know all of my people, right? I also had this fear of like the teacher's, you know, and I've been there of saying, you know, they don't understand because they're, they're, they're not in the classroom, but they don't understand because, you know, they taught, you know, such and such years ago. And I, I never want to be so far removed from the room that I'm making suggestions to teachers that are belittling, yep. that are not um, acknowledging the roles in, in the shoes that they have to fill when they are in the classroom. So I'm very intentional about still getting it. I want to model lessons. I want to pull small groups. I, I want you to model, which means that I too <laughs> have to model and being um, open to doing that. Is, oh, that's not my job anymore. Like, I don't have a class. I don't have to do that. No, I want to do that. And I feel like no matter what your role is, make that time to get into the rooms because when you are removed from the classroom, it shows people yep. know um, be, and it's based on the things that you say and the suggestions that you give. It's like, well, have you, have you sat <laughs> in a room in the past few years since COVID since like at any point, you know, have you been in a room because what you're saying doesn't make any sense. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want to be in that position where I am just suggesting, you know, these off the wall things to teachers that I know are more than likely not going to work. And it'll show, you know, so make that time to get into the classrooms, not to just observe, but to fill the role of a teacher. No matter what role it is that you are in, when you are working with teachers, you need to be, you know, there. You need to live in that world. Um, and they will respect that. Absolutely. And and I I've said it many times or I've posted about it. Coaches are not impactful if they are not actionable. So if they're not like model, that. if we're just talking lip service, it ain't gonna, it's right. not gonna stick. Um, it's we, not. We do have a question from Denisha Moore-Hall, and she asks, how does this apply to special education or life skills teachers? And so my question, Denisha, is one, thank you for your question, but two, do you work as an instructional coach for special education and life skills teachers? If not, let's also talk about ways that modeling for your students impacts their growth as well. So tell us in the chat, what is your role in special education? As she's answering that, I don't know if she's still here, but as she's answering that, I have another question for you. So Mm -hmm. how do you gain trust of teachers? And you've already kind of talked about it with building relationships, but what are some other strategies that if you spoke to coaches today, you're like, you got to do this. What would it be? You know what? That's enough. That's really hard, but it's like really easy. Um, I can honestly say the only being honest (laughs) is the way that I have built trust with teachers. I I don't have all the answers. You know, I'm not going to have the solution for everything and that's okay. but I'm going to help you figure it out and we're going to work together. Yeah. Um, I don't know it all. And I think it's ridiculous for anyone to proclaim, you know, like they do. And having a relationship with like it all really just goes back to that and you said it earlier we don't need to be the best of friends i just need you to understand at the end of the day i'm on your side if you can defend this decision i'm going to go ahead and help you defend it if we can go ahead and make it work if it is not going to negatively impact children and there's a little risk that you want to let's go for it yeah you know and then we can go ahead and if we can justify the decision, if it correlates back to a T, we can go ahead and make it work. So the only the only thing that I can say in regard to building trust with teachers is being honest and having a relationship with them, making the time to talk to them and hear them. You know, I I was never fit to be like a kindergarten teacher because I'm not like super bubbly like that. And sometimes people think that I am, and it's like in waves. But to do that, like all day with kindergarten, that's not it. But I have some sixth grade teachers, that's them all day. And it's like, okay, I'm going to learn from you and I'm going to understand, I'm going to listen. So I would not have taught this lesson that way because it doesn't fit my personality. But if that works for you and we're still getting, you know, these needs met, that's great. And then you in turn are building relationships with your kids. We're good. So being honest and having relationships with my teachers is how I can build that trust. So listen to them, you know, under, if you don't understand why they want to do something, ask questions. I've learned that a large part of this role is asking questions. And when you do that, they will either get clarity on why they are right, or they will get clarity on what things, you know, we may be able to change. And now as a coach, I can go and help you either way. 
Yeah. I love that. And, you know, it makes me so Denisha responded and she said she's a classroom teacher. And it it made me think of while you were talking, Ashley, about that uh, honesty component. And, you know, your coach doesn't know everything. Your principal doesn't know everything. So, Denisha, one of the things that I would love for you to um, maybe glean from this conversation is how you could build a relationship with the coach on your campus if you have a coach or an administrator on the campus that provides feedback but could be even more powerful is you kind of coach them in a way of hey come come give me feedback but a great coach is also going to ask you for feedback Yes. And I have worked with special ed teachers. I have worked with life skills teachers. Um, I've worked with theater teachers and band teachers. And, and one of the things that I always ask for is feedback on my coaching. And how much did they trust me to try that new strategy? And I think it would be one wonderful for you to reach out to your coach and just say like, I would love to build a partnership with you. Um, one, it's just gonna be really nice to the coach. Like, it's like, hey, it's gonna make them feel really good. But then with them having that opportunity, you are actually strengthening their capacity, which is huge. What would you say, Ashley? Um, I would say basically what you said, you know, have, if they don't initiate the conversation with you, initiate that conversation with them. You can let them know, you know, hey, what do you ask them? You know, what do you expect from me? Um, what role do you, you know, expect for me to feel? Um, and then let them know what your expectations are of them. Because sometimes as a coach, what I think that, you know, you need may not be, you know, what you actually want. So as a coach, we have to be open to being told, you know, this is what I need. And I can either fulfill that need or I can't. So letting them know, you know, these are kind of the things that I expect. And if they don't open that comp, if they don't open that door um, to allow you that space to let you, let them know what your expectations are, you can be the one to, and that is, a, that's uncomfortable. I think um, <laughs> it, it can be hard because it's like, oh, like, I don't want to overstep, you know, someone's boundaries. However, we have to advocate for ourselves as educators in regard to what it is that we need. And that's one of the things that I feel like I, I know I wish I had done a little bit more of like, okay, you don't want to help me fine. You know, I'll figure it out on my own. And then it just left me burnt out. But at the end of the day, it's that coach's job to help yeah. you. And it's that coach's job to, to provide you with support. So sometimes, you know, and if you, in the case of, you know, not having a coach that is going to help you in that way, you may have to talk to someone else. And those things get uncomfortable because it's like, oh, you know, I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Well, I want to be successful. So if my coach is not fulfilling, you know, what it is that I need, or if they are not trying to help me, then sometimes I do need to go and talk to someone else. Because sometimes too, I learn as a coach, like maybe if I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> or maybe if I don't have an answer for you, then I might try, you know, brush that off. But if that's something that you truly need, make that known to someone else. If you try with that coach, then reach out to that next person because maybe that next person go ahead and help that coach because coaches yeah. need to be coached too. Um, and we have to be reflecting, we have to reflect. And it's like, oh, I didn't handle that, you know, very well. Um, 
So that would be the best thing, you know, make those expectations known, have that, you know, conversation initially if it's not started um, by the coach and then just go and grow from there. Yes. And I think that's a big misconception. Sometimes people see coaches, well, two misconceptions, one that they're only for core content teachers and Mm -hmm. that is not the case. So I love how Ashley said, go advocate for yourself because as teachers, we want to continue to grow Um, our our generations. There's generational gaps and we want to be strengthened learning in our classrooms. And so we want everyone deserves a coach. So be pro like I love it. Be proactive for the upcoming school year. Ask for help. But then also coaching is not for people who are just struggling. It's for everyone. So Denisha, I bet you are a rock solid rock star teacher, but you know, how awesome is it to even take it to the next level and Mm -hmm. find the next one? So I love it. Thank you for your question and participating. Um, Okay. Here's my last question for our instructional coaches that are watching. What are three resources you recommend for them? And it can be books, podcasts, people to follow. What would you say? Okay, so it's kind of tough. Okay, I'm gonna start with the book that really just did it for me as an educator. I read, I read this when we got sent home um, for the pandemic. Uh-huh. We were doing book studies at school, and it's called "Fewer Things Better," I think, by Angela Watson. I believe is her name, and that book just like changed my life. And it's basically about like creating this 40-hour work week and about prioritizing excuse me, the things that are important. Um, and it basically just made, it was like, I felt like I had permission to not get all the things done. Mm-hmm. And that book is what led me to starting my business and just taking that leap in learning how to chill and creating that balance between my career and my personal life. So I would suggest that book to any coach, to any teacher, especially if you're starting out, because if you can start out with balance, it's just, it's life-changing. Um, so I would definitely say fewer things better. I would also say to check out the TCTLA podcast, Learn It and Yearn It, um, because, not just because I am the host, but because we do interview really amazing people who are in education, not just, you know, somebody who knows a little something about teaching or, you know, this education world, but we interview people who understand, who have valuable insight for us and we can learn and we can grow from them. So I would definitely say to check out the TCTLA podcast. Um, Third, oh man. Oh, I don't know. Let's see. We've got the book I really like. We've got the podcast. Oh, shameless, not shameless little plug. I would say check out um, edumomlifestyle.com. I would definitely say, you know, that's a great place. I will be launching my membership for educators who are mothers starting August 1st. So whether you are a coach or you are a teacher, it is for you. Um, we will be releasing resources to help you just balance being a teacher and being a mother. Um, And although the focus is on moms, if you are not a mom and you are an educator, it is for you. However, the topic of momming is more than likely going to come up because 
we have to create that balance. Um, my favorite part of the membership is the Lit Lounge, which will happen the second Thursday of every month. And I came up with this idea because I avoided like the lunchroom because it would it was just so like sad. And it was like complaining, you know, a lot of times it's just, oh, I don't like this. And so where's the solution? So I just wanted to create a safe place to, yes, get the things out, you know, but let's go ahead and talk about how do we move forward? Okay. Yeah. You didn't like so-and-so. Are you Okay. Well, does this have anything to do with us being a better teacher? No. So we're not going to focus on that, but maybe we didn't like the way something was handled and we just want to get it off of our chest. I wanted to create a safe place to do that and then come up with solutions. How can we maybe not allow these things to affect us so we can kind of change the conversations, you know, that we are having? Um, because a lot of time we're focusing on things that don't even matter. We don't need to talk about why so-and-so wore this to work. That's not important. Okay. We're stressed and we're, we're gossiping about things in this break room that do not matter. All right. But I might really need to get off my chest how these kids in my class are just driving me crazy right now in this season. We can go ahead and find solutions to that because that does directly impact our jobs. And I think it's important to have safe spaces to have those conversations because I don't know about you or anyone else. My husband doesn't really care sometimes or understands <laughs> the teacher struggles. It's like, okay. It's like, I told him about my principal. It's like, okay. You know, people move. No, husband. Like, that was important. Like, I loved him. You know, we had a thing, you know, and now he's gone and I have to make a new thing with a new person. But if I if I go into the lit lounge and I share that, you know, with my fellow educators, they can empathize with me better than my husband, <laughs> better than my husband, you know. So that is one of the, the greatest parts of that membership is that we have those safe spaces that have the conversations and know that because I really don't like my class right now, this is a right now thing. And I yeah. just need a place to say that and move on from it so I can come up with solutions to love it again. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and so, Ashley, they get access to this Lit Lounge when they sign up for your membership? Yes, ma'am. And they sign up at edumomlifestyle.com. Is that correct? Yes, they do. Yes. So, Ashley, tell us one more thing. Where can people find you on social? Okay, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Edumom Lifestyle. Okay. Um, and those are my two. I'm not really a social media or I'm really trying to get back into it. And I'll like, hmm, maybe I'll eventually add an Edumom TikTok, but I'm just, or not TikTok, um, Inst uh, Twitter, but I'm not there just yet. So Instagram and TikTok, it's like, okay, those are my two. I can kind of sort of manage <laughs> for right now. So edgy mom lifestyle at those two platforms. I love it. Ashley, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Ladies, thank you for joining us who joined us live. We greatly appreciate it. Oh my gosh, my dog's going crazy. You were so oh, <laughs> I know, but I hope you'll have a fabulous and Frankie wants you to have a fabulous evening too. <laughs> so thank you, thank Ashley, you. so much. Good night, everyone.